What's up, Chuckers? Welcome to the Catch This Podcast. I am Nook, and uh, I'm here with my co-host, Kick. Hey, guys. And today we are talking about conflict with the sling, and that's going to cover everything from ancient uh, prehistory, uh, as far back as we know, all the way up to the modern day, and everything from warfare to riots and conflict. Uh, any Anything conflict that's our topic today. We're going to take broad strokes because there's way too much to cover in a short uh, single podcast, but uh, Kick is going to lead us off. Take it away, Kick. Okay, picture the scene. You are a Spanish soldier, uh, a conquistador, that has traveled thousands of miles over the ocean to take part in the Spanish conquests of South America. You're marching through the forest, you're tired, it's hot. Uh, there's strange sounds around you. The vegetation is strange. Everything's everything's a bit disconcerting. Everything's new. As you're marching along, you've heard tales of these uh, people living out in the forest, these savages, uh, you've been told. But you haven't seen anyone as you've been marching. You haven't had any in contact with them. As you're marching, you suddenly hear a swish and then a sort of crunch sound. And the guy behind you falls over. And you look around, what, what was that? You see him on the ground, there's a stone lodged in his, in his helmet. The helmet is completely crushed in. Everyone around you starts to panic. What, what, what was that? Where did it come from? You draw your sword, and you hear another swish, and the sword snaps in two. Another guy to the side of you falls, and there's more swishes. There's, the trees seem to be coming alive and throwing things at you. This is kind of the situation that a lot of slingers would be visiting upon their enemies. The sling has been used through pretty much every conflict in in the entirety of human history and has been used devastatingly in situations just like the one I described. So in this episode, I thought we'd go through the entirety of human history quickly because, you know, it's a, it's a big subject. We we'll ha might have to come back at some point and do some... Uh, single episodes on certain areas, but no, I, I think thirty minutes on human history should cover it, and then we can we can move on from this history thing. Yeah, uh, well, we might need to cover a little bit more, but let's see, let's see how it comes comes out. All right, maybe, maybe. <laughs> I, I don't know. I think I think you've done your research pretty well, Kick. Yeah, yeah, but the you're right. the The history of the sling in conflict is, in many ways, the history of of conflict itself. Uh, which in many ways is the history of humanity. Yeah, exactly. Uh, at least if you want to be a little bit cynical about it. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it it is amazing how much the sling comes up throughout all of human history. And whenever it comes up, it's usually described in conflict because its other uses as a farming tool isn't exactly well documented. So it's usually... Boring. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, we're, we'll, do a, we'll do an episode about that probably at some point too. Yeah, we might have to cover it. Maybe, yeah. Starting from the very beginning, we should start off with where where do slings come from? When were they invented? As far as we can tell, 
they've been around for about as long as humans have been. Like, with it being such a simple weapon, I mean, it was it was conceived pretty early on in human history. The oldest sling finds have actually come from Peru, which has a long history of slinging already uh, in their culture. So about 2500 BC was the oldest sling found, which is pretty incredible. But the problem with slings, of course, is that they don't stay around uh, too well. Uh, they don't last all that long. So the actual oldest evidence of the sling is from Kadalhayuk in Turkey, where there's a slinger cave drawing from 7000 BC, which is incredibly old. It's pretty incredible that this thing has been been around all the way up to the present day. But with these prehistoric uses, they probably weren't used all that much in fights uh, to start with. They were probably invented really for hunting originally, and then used against the human prey, as it were, um, when, when society started going to war. So... Moving on from the prehistoric use, because there's not much, there's not much really evidence to be found. The only evidence to be found is in stones that are we've that have been found piled up or caches of ammo. It seems, um, although also some of these stones are like shaped as well, like they actually made them into biconical shapes, very much like the uh, lead ammo that people still use today. It's kind of amazing that. Uh, biconical is uh roughly a rugby or an american football shape if uh, for yeah. those who are not familiar with the term yeah and the, it, it seems that that shape is found all over the world so and from very early on in in the use of the sling so that's kind of a interesting uh side point there perfect for hunting dinosaurs exactly yes <laughs> so we'll move on from prehistory because as i said there's not much to say other than slings are really old so the next sort of stopping point is, uh, shall we say, the ancient world, the uh, uh, Hellenistic, the ancient Greek world, and a bit before that as well. So in the Mediterranean, the Middle East, slings have been used for a long time. The Egyptians, there's uh, paintings from uh, various tombs of ancient Egyptian slingers, but again, it's mostly hunting use. It, they were used in, in war, it seems, but there's not a lot of evidence, again, that's going to be the sort of refrain for most of this episode i'm afraid is that there's not much evidence because well slings don't slings themselves don't last all that well and it's a little hard to tell exactly what is uh sling ammo and what's not because it's usually just rocks <laughs> it's more um more noticeable with uh lead bullets the lead glandes which um is it's in this ancient world period that they start being used it's when uh people started using metallurgy and started uh, developing it so i believe the 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 very first evidence of a military industrial complex comes from the excavation of ur in mesopotamia i think they actually found that they were manufacturing clay bullets for their slings and the the clay has survived uh to present day so in fact i was looking online yesterday somebody was selling one of these uh sling bullets one of the oldest bullets on the planet for like 300 bucks which seems like a bargain i guess although for a little <laughs> piece of clay maybe not but for something so old that's thousands and thousands of years old i thought that was kind of kind of crazy that that the best that somebody got for it was 300 bucks anyway. <laughs> yeah so uh with the assyrian civilization um there's uh, reliefs, uh, car carved reliefs that show slingers. And what's interesting is that they show them working together with archers and behind archers. And this is a point of contention that's been, that was, seems to be a lot clearer in the old world than, uh, in the modern day. But it seems that 
it's it's long been believed that slingers have a greater range than archers and that sort of is kind of evidence for it that they were they were put behind the archers but i think that controversy is falsely stirred up by the archers of modern day yeah i, I also agree really but uh we, we already know the truth come on guys <laughs> um yeah, so it's, it's it's it does seem that in most of history the the slingers uh, do outrange archers, and I know that's a very controversial statement if you're an archer, but uh, get over it. Yeah. <laughs> the I, there's there's plenty of depictions of of slingers behind the archers. Basically, that implies that the slingers and archers can all hit the target at the same time if they're placed behind the archers because they outrange them. Yeah. And and there's there's still debate about what the typical range of a slinger is, and of course it's going to depend on the sling, it's going to depend on the techniques of the the particular army or the particular slingers, and so on. The ammo as well, yeah. But I think in modern day, what's the the world record for a slinging distance? Oh, now I'm going to have to look it up. I can't remember. <laughs> I want to say it's something like it's like half a mile. It's ridiculous. Uh, Let me see. Uh, according to Guinness Book of World Records, it is 437.10 meters, which was uh, Larry Bray in uh, Lower Utah on 21st of August 1981. So that's pretty far. <laughs> that's uh, that's not insignificant. <laughs> yeah, I mean, not, not half a mile, but uh, that's that's way too far. But um, but yeah, so f- over 400 meters is the the modern world record, and and. We don't know if maybe somebody threw further than that in the past, but uh, that's a really long distance. Anybody who has tried shooting a rifle at 400 meters knows how far that really is. Yeah. Even with good optics and a scope and all that, uh, it's that's a pretty amazing shot. So if you even if uh, your average slinger is you know, only doing over a hundred meters, that still gives you a, a long reach compared to most weapons of ancient day. Yeah. It's, it, they were really, they could really hit a target from a long way away. So, um, it's, it's interesting that, uh, relief, uh, that's from around 704 to 681 BC, which is a very specific like time period. I don't know how they managed to get it that specific, but, uh, that's apparently what, <laughs> when it's from, but, um, it shows like this, uh first the f- first sort of use of slingers as their own um own unit as it were um because skirmish fighting has been the main the main use of slingers that that they would run in quick they were very fast and light on their feet they could move around uh, a battlefield so it seems that it was starting to be recognized that slingers themselves could be their own unit and when talking about slingers being their own unit we have to talk about the Balearic Slingers. They were renowned slingers from the Balearic Islands that's... Uh, Off the coast of Spain, or modern-day Spain. Yeah, Majorca, uh, Menorca, and and Ibiza. And they were world-renowned, uh, uh, in the ancient world at least. And even to the present day, they still have competitions and are very, very good slingers. If you look up some YouTube videos of them, it's amazing how good some of them are. Um, but they were employed by Julius Caesar in the Gallic Wars. They were very well-known mercenaries. And um, uh, Vegit... Oh, no. I'm going to mess up the name now. But Vegetius? 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 I didn't take Latin at school, so I I have no idea how to pronounce any of these names. And uh, we've got... The name of uh, his writing was uh, 
Diri uh, Militari uh, from the 5th century. It's basically on the military, all about Roman military uh, tactics and um, Roman military makeup, uh, how they created their armies. And uh, he had something really interesting to say about the Balearic Islanders. Um, I'll just quote here. Recruits are to be taught the art of throwing stones both with hand and sling. The inhabitants of the Balearic Islands are said to have been the inventors of slings and to have managed them with surprising dexterity owing to the manner of bringing up their children. The children were not allowed to have their food by their mothers till they had first struck it with their sling. Now, I think it's questionable that the Balearic Islands invented the sling, as we mentioned there's been evidence for the sling a long time before the Balearic Island uh, civilization even started up. But um, right. and, and even if they did invent the sling, we're pretty sure that they can't lay claim to the invention of bad parenting. Yes, that's true. That's that's more of a universal human trait, I think. Um, but it does show like how, how much uh, importance they put on the use of the sling and how they got so good, if that if that story is true. Um, like it, And how they would teach their children from a very young age that uh, it was really a part of their part of their culture and life but what's interesting with that quote as well is that it tells us a little bit more like as it goes on it tells us a little bit about how the sling was understood to work and why they thought it was such a useful thing that should be talked to all of the all of the roman recruits it says here um Soldiers, notwithstanding their defensive armour, are often more annoyed by the round stones from the sling than by all the arrows of the enemy. Sorry, archers. Uh, stones kill without mangling the body, and the contusion is mortal without loss of blood. It is universally known the ancients employed slingers in all their engagements. There is the greater reason for instructing all troops without exception in the exercise, as the sling cannot be reckoned any encumbrance, and often is of the greatest service, especially when they are obliged to engage in stony places to defend a mountain or an eminence, or to repulse an enemy at the attack of a castle or city. So, that really tells a lot about how uh, slings have been used for a long time even thousands of years ago they were saying it had been used for thousands of years that uh, the sling was thought to be you know it, it doesn't take up any space in your in, in on your belt or you know wrapped around your arm it's useful for all recruits to have it and as it says it's very versatile if you're somewhere with stones you are surrounded by ammo so I think that tells quite a lot about how how much stock they put in the in the sling and how it was so useful. Yeah, it, it's basically just a free weapon. Yeah, you know, it's it's a piece of rope, and and you don't have to carry a lot of ammo with you unless unless you are trying to do something specific like be accurate. But for uh, large groups, you can throw even a fairly jagged rock and get in the the right general area. The next big civilization uh, we should definitely mention is, and we kind of already have moved into that, the Romans. They seem to have used the sling quite extensively, as it said there, that they had uh, sling bullets, um, the lead sling glandes. And they even depict slingers on Trajan's column, which was this column depicting uh, some wars that Emperor Trajan had waged and sort of celebratory columns that they made. And slinger, slingers are shown quite clearly on there. So they're obviously an important part of uh, Roman army that they had them so prominently. Yeah, which, of course, I think a lot of people like to overinterpret that column sometimes, uh, you know, all the way down to measuring the estimated length of the sling on the column, which probably has more to do with how much room they had trying to cram a bunch of stories onto the column than about how long the slings actually were that were being used and that sort of thing. Yeah, that that comes into the sort of um, 
general things to be remembered when looking at history is that just because something is drawn doesn't mean that the person drawing it or carving it or depicting it doesn't mean that they actually even saw the thing that they're carving or depicting or painting or even describing if you've ever seen any of the drawings of um like elephants or giraffes from medieval artists it's hilarious how badly they mangle those animals so it's always always has to be remembered that just because someone's drawing it doesn't mean that they've got a sling in front of them or a slinger future historians will believe that uh that in my my era there were batmans everywhere based on the drawings that they would find around my house yeah yeah i can imagine simply because my six-year-old likes to draw batman a lot and occasionally robin <laughs> But uh, yeah, it's so. It, but it wasn't just the Romans that were using slings. It was also the people that they were fighting against. It was a widespread weapon that, um, as we were saying, it's it's been around for so long and been all over the world that it was very common being used against Rome as much as it was used by Rome. So the Britons and Gauls used it. Loads of different cultures, pretty much every culture was using slings um, in at this time. And there's been a lot of hill forts all the way up into the Iron Age and past that that uh, have found big caches of sling stones just these huge piles of rocks ready to be used in defense of the fort but uh the way there's some really interesting like uh, individual battles that we could talk about and maybe we'll have to go into some more of them at a later date but i thought this one was really interesting and should be brought up oh we we can't talk about that we we already did that kick we we did get david and goliath we could check that box we don't have to talk about any more conflicts or battles anymore no ever. no this this one is interesting this one's particularly interesting um because it it both shows how both sides were using slings and how they used the slings what a sling could do to someone um and just generally like uh, how effective slings can be so this is this battle is the battle of uhud in 625 ad and it was uh, part of the muslim Quraysh war i've probably pronounced something wrong um don't worry i'm gonna mispronounce some more things in a second so uh don't worry about that once we throw this out on the internet then we will have lots of lots of corrections coming back to us don't isn't, you isn't that a thing that the it's easier to say something confidently wrong and get corrected than it is to answer ask a question like you're more likely to get the answer quicker if you actually just say it wrong that's right so you can all chime in and tell me how i've pronounced these wrong but the uh this was between the muslims and the Qurayshi meccans um in 625 ad and uh the prophet muhammad uh, was actually at this battle and interestingly he was hit with a sling and it sounds like it almost killed him like so uh, I, I think this battle is interesting just to think about how the entire history of, of quite a large section of humanity could be very different um, if this battle had gone differently. It's quite, in some ways, a historic battle. So um, in this in this battle, uh, the Muslims were actually doing very well. They were uh, keeping these Meccans back, and they had quite a strong defensive position uh, with this big mountain uh, a hood behind them, and then. These archers were put on the flanks to help protect the army because the uh, Meccans had very good cavalry, which the Muslims didn't. And as the Muslims pushed forward and pushed the uh, Meccans out of their camp, they started uh, looting and taking spoils from the from the camp. And these 
archers on the hills have been told to to absolutely stay put. It doesn't matter what happened, they had to stay there to protect the army. And one of the archers on the one side said, "Oh look, they're all taking all that stuff. Let's go. Let's go down there and get it." So they all went. They all ran down and left their position, leaving the flank exposed for the cavalry to come in. Now, once they did that, the entire tide of the battle changed, and uh, being pushed back, the Meccans were then slinging into the uh, Muslim battle lines and there's a quote here uh, where uh, Prophet Muhammad was attacked even narrowly escaped death a stone from a sling split his upper lip and broke one of his front teeth another blow from a rock drove two rings of the chainmail under his armour uh, under his helmet into his flesh and blood poured forth from the gash in his forehead he fell to the ground stunned but was carried away to safety six of his helpers were killed while the seventh was severely wounded desperately fighting in defense of the prophet there's more evidence that david could have uh taken knocked goliath out by hitting him in the helmet right there exactly that's that's why i thought this was so interesting is and also it shows that it the sling it, i think is we often, especially on the forum, talk about the sling being very powerful and being able to kill someone uh, with just one shot, like we were talking about with David and Goliath. And it's true, that is absolutely possible. But I think also it's forgotten that the sling is very good at just disabling people. Like, with a battle, the important thing is not killing everyone else on the other side. It's about incapacitating them, it's about annoying them it's about moving them back and this is a perfect example that if you can hit the leader of the army in the head you don't have to kill him he with a sling he's going to be knocked out he's going to be out of the fight so i thought that that was quite interesting especially with it being such an important historical character yeah for sure i'm going to have to look more into uh, some of those stories i'm not uh, super familiar with that battle or that that piece of history in particular so i'm i'm going to have to do more reading on that after this it's pretty interesting story yeah moving on from the uh ancient world let's speed up a little bit and go into the medieval uh the medieval world because uh this thing was used pretty much continuously all the way up to the medieval period and past but with the invention of our heavy plate army you'd think okay maybe maybe these things aren't going to be used as much but there's there's interesting uh evidence against that um, there's uh, the Battle of Najira, which was part of the Hundred Years' War from 1367. Um, in all honesty, the battle is pretty boring. <laughs> there's not actually much interesting about it at all. And in fact, there's no mention of slings at all that I could find in the actual battle. Like any accounts of the battle, there's there's no mention of slings. But that's kind of what's interesting, because in the 15th century, so a hundred years later, there's an illustration of the battle that uh, has the two sizes it was between the french and the english mostly again we're not going to get we're not going to bother going into the battle because it's kind of boring but uh uh in the illustration there's uh the french side and the english side and on the french side right up at the front is a slinger who is facing down uh some archers from the english side english side of course the english were famous uh, for their u longbows uh, in this period um but he's facing down holding a shield and I think this is kind of amazing because it really shows that even though this battle was a hundred years before and before the painting was made and we we're already kind of thinking that maybe the sling is is potentially going out of use this 15th century illustrator included a slinger in this battle where everyone's wearing well it seems to be plate armor like they still seem to believe that the sling is 
is supposed to be on the battlefield that it's it's a useful weapon to have on a battlefield that it's it should have been present at this at this battle even if there's no mention of it so it's kind of interesting that it's it's this long period where the sling is still there it's still in existence it's still being used on the battlefield even though the the longbow was being used on the english side and was very powerful and had amazing range the sling is still there it's it's still it's still being used well so in in our last episode we called the sling the great equalizer if you know if a if a shepherd boy can take out a nine foot tall giant in armor with it then uh it makes sense that in the case where the the french were were overmatched by the the english longbow then the the sling would be a reasonable response in that it's it's low cost and it's accessible and they can they can still answer uh, or have some sort of an answer for the longbow uh, when going up against them. Yeah, and I, I think part of it as well is um, they would have had people that were very uh, adept at using slings, most probably because they would have had people that were working still as shepherds. They still had had professional soldiers at this point, but they would have also been taking people on, you know, just from the countryside, go and, come and fight for the king. So having shepherds, uh, farmers who would have been using slings i think would have been very they they would have had those types of people there um and this it, there's more evidence as well for slings being used in in battles or at least being prepared for use in battle and it comes from uh finland where i am currently now um in turku castle which is uh to the uh west of uh helsinki and a bit bit further north in the uh, around the 14th 15th century the castle was in was in use, being uh, being used to defend the uh, city of Turku. And uh, archaeological ex- excavations have found six sling pouches in the grounds of the castle. Now there was some debate when they were looking at these. Uh, oh, are they are they actually slings? Are they something else? Because it's it can be quite difficult sometimes for, for archaeologists to even recognize a sling when they find it but it seems quite clear to me at least looking at them they are sling pouches like uh they absolutely have the right shape and size and and everything they have uh some of them have slits cut into them to make them able to form around the the ammo in the pouch like there's no doubt in my mind that they're that they're slings but um they they're also again talking about this fact that it's a great equalizer. Most of the pouches were made out of old shoe leather, so they'd just taken, you know, the leather that they had available and made them into pouches for use uh, in war. Which I think is also really interesting. That because I th- I think a lot of the times people think of war as being something that professionals do, that they have professional equipment, that they you know have all of these things prepared. But it, with these, they're just made from old shoes, <laughs> like these weapons that were going to be used to you know, defend a castle were just left over, leftover pieces, which I kind of like it, that whole, uh, being it's that, that common man's weapon thing again. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, um, going past the medieval period, uh, into the more colonial period of, uh, great, great expeditions across the oceans uh, by the Europeans to go and, discover new lands and conquer them the spanish uh conquest into these into south america came up against the incas and the incas were using slings for a long time uh, as i mentioned before i mean 
Peru and in that sort of area, they had slings that were from 2500 BC. So they knew what they were doing with with slings. And um, some of the accounts um, from the Spanish conquistadors, uh, where they were relaying some of their expeditions back to the Spanish government, were saying that these Incas were able to break swords in two and kill horses using their slings, which, I mean, that's that's pretty terrifying. <laughs> it's like... And it it seems that the Incas were doing this just with wool slings, like they they had uh, alpacas and um, llamas that they would make slings from, from their wool. Usually, the alpaca was not still attached. By the way, usually, yeah, it makes it easier if they're not attached. But it, um, it does. You you have to use a slightly different slinging style when you're attached to an alpaca. <laughs> if you maybe if you were riding the alpaca, would that work? I don't know. We'll have to do some experiments with that, but um. Well, yeah, we'll definitely have to try that. I just got to go find a llama. <laughs> but uh, this is the thing, like, they, they were devastatingly effective with this. I mean, they, they these uh, Incas were going up against people with guns and steel swords, and they were scaring the hell out of them. <laughs> like, they, they really, uh, really uh, managed to hold their own, for, at least for some time before, you know, eventually they were overcame. But, um, yeah, it... Even even against people with swords and plate armor, they were doing damage. That's that's interesting because I you know the story that you hear the most about this era is Cortez, right? Where he he actually uh, hijacks the uh, who was it the high priest or the the emperor of the Incas. So and I might yeah. I might be butchering this, but you know there's there's a story where they they grab the leader and the people think that the leader has actually uh, betrayed them and they start attacking. While the Spanish thought they were taking a hostage, the the people think that they were betrayed, and so they start attacking, and they're make, trying to make this harrowing escape uh, while being pelted by stones. And usually when you hear it, there's sort of this assumption, well, the Spanish at this point had steel armor, and so the stones were harmless. And that that's kind of the impression you get from hearing the story in a, in a broad strokes sort of way. So I mean, were you able to find evidence of the Spanish actually being, uh, obviously horses and swords, but the, of the, the Spanish people actually being, the soldiers being injured or killed, uh, maybe even during the Cortez expedition, that would be interesting to, to hear. I did manage to find that, but I'm sure the information's out there. To, maybe we'll have to do a separate episode on uh, on those sorts of stories, because it is, it is a really interesting period of history, and... Uh, the uh, Spanish weren't the only ones to come up, come up against uh, native peoples using slings. Polynesia is full of that, yeah. Well, exactly. Uh, Captain Cook, uh, in his voyages in 1778, he uh, discovered the Sandwich Isles, as he called them, because he named them after the Earl of Sandwich. Nowadays, we call, we know them as Hawaii. And uh, in his interactions with the local people there, he mentions slings in his diaries which i managed to uh, find some good uh, a good reference to which is also very interesting because he says the slings have nothing singular about them and in no respect differ from our common slings except that the stone is lodged on a piece of matting instead of leather so even up to 1778 uh, captain cook is fully aware of what a sling is and he says that you know everyone everyone knows what a sling is uh, back home that it they're common slings made of leather and 
and then he also tells us about the Hawaiian slings and that they were made of matting, which I assume he means that they were woven, which is we've seen uh, evidence of from the from the Hawaiian islands and other Polynesian islands that they seem to prefer having woven slings. So I thought this was just a really interesting quote because it shows that <laughs> even these two parts of the world that are so far apart, they're both fully aware of what slings are. They're very common, in fact. The, the <laughs> so common, in fact, that they're not even worth talking about most of the time. Like in this case, ah, yeah, it's boring. The only the only difference is that it's woven instead of made of leather. Uh, you know, it, it'd be a terrible topic for like a podcast or something. Yeah, I mean, why would anyone want to talk about them? But this is one of the problems with um, historical uh, sources is that sometimes people just don't talk about certain things, like because they're just too common, like. And it seems that the sling has kind of fallen prey to this, that um, it's such a common tool that, you know, every farmer's son would be out, you know, looking after the sheep or people would be using to scare the crows off the off the fields that, or that, you know, oh, yeah, it's just the slinger unit in the army. They were just so common that people didn't bother really to write, write them down or do any sort of investigation into them or explain anything about how they were used at that period in, in time. Like, they're just that common that nobody mentions them or very very rarely mentions them so i thought this was a really good example of that that it shows that despite the fact that this person has found this culture that is also using slings thousands of miles away from his home his home country he's still just like oh yeah it's a sling <laughs> just doesn't go really go into any detail at all about how it's used how are they throwing it what are they what are they throwing we know as we said before that in this sort of area of the world they they very much preferred these biconical like rugby ball shaped sling stones that they would manufacture themselves so i think it's just hilarious that this guy is just like yeah yeah it's a sling <laughs> it just doesn't go into it at all now wasn't it in i think i want to say in in guam somewhere there is an example of a very large biconical sling stone that is thought to have been like a canoe breaker like they were using a specialty sling with a great big stone, almost like a like a trebuchet without the trebuchet, where they're launching these great big stones, trying to break up boats uh, on the, that are coming, getting too close to the island. Yeah, in Guam, um, I saw that they've tried to do some sort of re uh, recreation with with that, having like really long slings for throwing really large sling stones, and it does seem that it would be possible. I mean, I've got a because I, I I would be pretty pretty amazed to see someone slinging on a canoe but it seems that that's also how they use them um and i can imagine looking at the size of some of these stones if it did hit a canoe yeah you'd be swimming pretty quick because they're not to be messed with these huge rocks against a little wooden canoe um so i, I think that's also interesting is that they they thought about that they thought about how they could completely disable their enemy uh, coming at them in a canoe using just a sling like a lot of other people wouldn't I, I feel like in a lot of places they wouldn't even consider using a sling for something like that they would try and make some sort of a trebuchet or catapult or something but they they're like no no the sling can do it we just need to make the ammo bigger and the sling longer so using slings in this sort of way in this sort of ingenious way is carried on through history so in the spanish civil war uh, which was 1936 to 1939, even grenades were used with a sling. And there's actually, amazingly, video footage of this. There's a guy on a roof slinging a grenade against the enemy, which you can see it's very clearly against the sky how he's using it. And uh, I think that's that's another thing that's... The sling is just such a versatile 
weapon that you can use all these different types of ammo, including grenades. And again, with it being such a versatile tool that's lightweight, that you can carry, that you can be quick and on your feet, it's been used right up to the present day in riots and protests as well. Most famously, of course, with the protests of the Palestinians uh, against Israel. There's a lot of video footage and a lot of photos of um, these slingers using very long slings to throw rocks at uh, armed Israeli defense force uh, soldiers, which um, it's it seems that there's a long history of that in in the in the Middle East area because you know they they have all the way back to David and Goliath, which is then used in a lot in comparisons of this situation. The again this underdog. I, I think a lot of a lot of times you see the these very beautifully taken photos and they're trying to draw that symbolism of David and Goliath implying that this here's this poor low technology slinger who's standing up against this this big mean high technology oppressor uh which which very much fits the the theme of David and Goliath right uh so that they're they're definitely uh borrowing the symbolism of that uh whether whether it's true or not or whether they're that's actually a legitimate comparison we won't get in into the the politics of that but they are clearly trying to draw a parallel to the original story of david and goliath in doing so uh, the other thing that i think that you see a lot in in the protests is uh you know a protest is sort of a a lightweight version of conflict and there's always this little dance on the edge of escalation of violence right they're they're trying to be they're trying to harass and wear down and exhaust the other side without escalating to the point where they're going to respond in a way that they don't that they are going to actually get hurt yeah so you see this a lot with rioters right they'll they'll throw water bottles they'll throw things at at a line of police and they're hoping that the police aren't just going to pull out a gun and start shooting uh, you know, they have the technology, they have the ability to escalate violence way beyond what the rioters really want to face. And they're kind of trying, trying to just dance right along that edge. And what I think is interesting about the sling, I mean, you take a sling and a stone and it could very easily be considered a lethal weapon. And yet there's this modern pop culture idea that it's sort of a child's toy or that it, it's it's just like throwing a rock you're just throwing it a little bit further yeah uh so it, it, it's it, they're they're taking advantage of the misperception of the sling to try and do as much damage and cause as much harassment as possible as a rioter without actually getting shot yeah yeah and it it, again, we, we we're going to talk about this a lot. I guess we've just got a chip on our shoulder about this, but slingers are slings and slingers are underestimated. Um, people really don't expect much from a sling or a slinger, and the truth is, is that as we said, they're dangerous weapons, and that's something that we should probably mention at this point. Please don't take any slings to a riot or a protest. Um, just listeners please because we we really like slinging and we'd prefer. I mean, it. maybe if you have sock balls. If you want to throw sock balls at the other side, that maybe sock sock balls, yeah. But we'd we'd really prefer slings not to be made illegal. Yeah, we we don't want the sling to get a bad name for. Uh, uh, it is a common man's tool, and it always has been. And we can't stop anyone from uh, from using one in whatever way they choose. But I will just 
emphasize, like I did last time, you are responsible for whatever you throw out of a sling and wherever it goes, whether you intend to do something with it or not. So just be responsible. Yeah, and think about us uh, more peaceful slingers that just want to go to a park without being arrested. (laughs) That's right. Think of the children. So um, that was basically a very quick run through of the history of slinging in conflict. Um, It was pretty quick. Yeah, I mean, basically, it's the the history of the history of the world uh, through the history of conflict through the eyes of the sling, which is pretty much universal from prehistory all the way up to modern day conflict. It's it it's funny how the sling is so ignored and so universal even today. You don't hear a lot of mention of it. Uh, I've seen mention of slingshots even, uh, but you don't hear a lot of people using slings outside of uh some of the palestinian riots uh it they yeah. exist but it's like it's just a forgettable thing and i i it's it's funny i don't know why it is that way but it is it is interesting that it's it's been with humanity for as far back as we know and i think a lot of the slingers that uh that are on slinging.org the slingers that we interact with that's one of the main motivations, one of the reasons that a lot of people do get into slinging is it gives you that connection to the past. I mean, here you're doing something the same way that people were doing it thousands of years ago and thousands of miles away in completely different cultures. And just the fact that it it has been used by so many different cultures and so many in so many different places, it, pretty much everyone can look back in their own uh, country's history and find slings being used. So, And uh, there's been a uh, revival of slinging in the uh, in Guam. I know that they they've been working very hard to uh, recreate that uh, native culture and native um, connection with slings, um, and they've been running their own competitions there. So I think that that is something that's interesting with the sling. And interesting aspect is that you can uh, connect very deeply with history with it. it. It's very much tied to the history of humanity it's a very important part that doesn't get talked about enough which is why we're here we're here to talk about it and i think that does really give you that connection yeah i mean it it really blows my mind that the sling is so under recognized underappreciated in modern day culture i mean i i get it that we have we have firearms we have all of these other technological things out there but you can just walk into the woods, grab some grass. Uh, in fact, you know anybody who's watched the Primitive Technology YouTube channel, uh, I can't remember the, the gentleman's name who, who does that YouTube channel, but he literally just pulls some grass out of the woods, turns it into a sling, and then starts slinging stones. Uh, you start with nothing, and then an hour later, you have a deadly ranged weapon that is capable of hurting another person or hunting or keeping you entertained there there's so much it, it's so simple and so universal that uh i mean there are there are cultures like in guam they're using it to reconnect with their past but they can't claim the sling as uniquely theirs it's just one of the ways that they connect to their past mm. and i think we can all do that in a way not to reconnect with guam's past but with humanity's past and, and to understand kind of how when you when you strip away all the technology and all of the layers of society everywhere you go the sling is still there yeah and so it does give you this sense of connection with history because you can do it just like 
anybody did it thousands of years ago, you can you can get that same experience of uh, of slinging. So uh, is that a good place to uh, wrap up? Well, you know, so I'll say the same thing I did on the last one, which is uh, if you go to catchthispodcast.com and enter your email address, that just signs you up for updates uh, from the website. So anytime that we post a new episode, you'll you'll get an email and uh, we're, we're not going to spam you. We're not going to sell your email address. But if you sign up there, then I'm going to pick someone at random and uh, from among the people who have signed up uh, at catchthispodcast.com that's catchthispodcast just kidding um i'm not going to do the commercial thing but uh if you if you sign up there then i'm going to randomly select someone about a month from when this was published and uh send you a sling that's a good deal uh what else you can find us on youtube and instagram go to catchthispodcast.com we'll have all the links to all the social media things and also some supplementary info we've got videos and text things that uh that didn't make it into this podcast. There's a ton of information, the things that we use for the research to talk about this particular episode. And so if you want more information or you want some instructional videos or example videos on how to sling, then uh, cast this podcast is kind of your one-stop shop, or at least it will be. It's still in development. We're still working on some of that. This is a brand new thing, but uh, we are, if you want more slinging content, uh, that's a great place to start. So we'll uh, see you there. And uh, I guess we can cue the outro. Thanks for listening. You can find us online at catchthispodcast.com, on the singing.org forum, on YouTube, and at catch underscore this underscore podcast on Instagram. Music by Wintergarten. Catch you next time. <laughs>